Good morning. <coughs> this week's is uh, Parshat Bamidbar. And uh, the Zohar begins with the first verse of Parshat Bamidbar. By David Hashem and Moshe Bamidbar, Sinai, Boel, Moed. Rabbi Patach. And Abba began by saying, This is the verse in Bereshit when it is discussing the creation of Adam. And the Zohar continues, We have already learned about this uh, verse. And Tokhazi, come and see. Bishata de Adam. That when the Creator created man, He made him in the form of the uh, supernal, the upper world, and the lower world. And He was inclusive of everything. And the light of uh, Adam shine from one end of the world until the end, of the other end of the world. And everything and everybody was afraid to stand before him. The first question that uh, we have here: What does this uh, idea of Bamidbar, which begins with the idea that uh, that God is telling? Moses to count the Jews. What does this have to do the counting of the Jews at that time? And it says in the verse he counted them in the second month in the second year. And the Zohar will be discussing what, what, what is so significant about counting the Jews in Bamidbar in the second month and the second year. But in general, what does the Zohar and what does the uh, the idea that the Zohar will be discussing shortly and telling us about uh, the uh, the essence of man? That is what the Zohar is is going to discuss. The essence of man. What is he? Is he just as we observe, flesh and blood? Even has a mind, so we can say that the mind of uh, of Adam, or we, the descendants of Adam, uh, have an elevated uh, consciousness over and above animal vegetation and uh, inanimate objects. Is that is that what constitutes the idea of man? That is the importance, the significance of man. In that he stands high and above every other creation in the world. And so what still would that have to do with the idea of uh, counting, counting the uh, people? And then another verse here, which says only because someone remarked, uh, and I did see it in uh, Newsweek, uh, some... Uh, some Christian uh, professor uh, was discussing a, a section in the Talmud. A section in the Talmud 
which uh, which is dealing with if a man falls if a man falls from a roof and uh, falls upon a woman I mean I, nothing else does this professor have to you know draw out from the Talmud except this particular section the man falls from a from a, from a roof onto a woman and he uh, and unintentionally has intercourse with her I mean let's figure out how this happened but anyway I mean this is this is the one section in the by in the Talmud that he that he was discussing and uh, it goes on to he goes on to discuss, you know, about intentions, how important intentions are. We see that from the Talmud. And then, of course, now there is a, um, a lawsuit uh, by women, uh, because this is a harassment of women. I mean, for the Talmud to, for this professor to discuss a section of the Talmud which deals with such a, a vulgar attitude. You look at that, falls upon a woman and... Uh, and look at the result of the, of this falling. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what, uh, what the courts will then decide when they come across a section in the Torah like we had last week, which says a woman, a man from the age of 20 until age 60 is, uh, is worth 50 shkalim. And then a, a woman from the age of 20 until age 60 is worth only 30. That is real sexual harassment. You know, we're, we're taking women and giving them, uh, you know, uh, lesser value. I mean, that, that probably is the next step. The reason I'm mentioning that is because it says in the, in verse three here in the Chumash, only from the age of 20, uh, age 20 and up shall they be counted. And the Zohar says, although it, it seems to be that clear, uh, what about women? Women are not included. Can you imagine? The, uh, I guess that's, again, sexual harassment doesn't only mean in the sexual harassment, but the abuse of women. Not even to include them in a census taking. They are not to be considered. They are, they and those uh, those children below the age of twenty are not to, are not to be counted as well, and that's the census taking. What does uh, do you imagine? Uh, that's is that a census taking? Does that really tell you how many people how many people uh, were part of the Jewish people? Let's say they took a census here in the United States and omitted the women, omitted the children. We would not have 250 million people here in the United States. They may have taken account of just the men, but what does all this mean? And of course, if it's taken literally, then, then the corruption that comes out, because it is read literally, just as, uh, as that professor, I don't know what he found in that particular section, so, uh, so, uh, so interesting that uh, he would, uh, that it should be taught as a university over and above any other section in the Talmud. But what is this connection now to, to, uh, to the creation of man? What is the essence of man? What does that have to do with uh, counting 
uh, it says kol the Google otam. In other words, only the male, and only male from twenty years and uh, and over. But first, the Zohar goes on to explain that the essence of man, without seeing the connection, meanwhile, that man was created with as an all-inclusive entity, meaning the upper worlds, the lower worlds. What does it mean by the, and because of, because of this all-inclusivity, his light shines from one end to the other. But that is the essence of man. That's what the Zohar says. What does it mean that he contained the light force that would, that shone from one end of the world until the other end of the world. What does that mean, one end of the world to the other end of the world? Which part of the, does the world begin? Where does the world end? Although we have, uh, a date line, a date line that was established as to where, where time will begin. What, while here in California we're, we're discussing, uh, uh, Monday morning, in uh, when you pass the date line, you're talking about the evening. You're talking about going into the next day, and yet here we're only beginning. We're only beginning the uh, Monday morning, and there they're considering now Tuesday. So, did the Torah have in mind the date line? Of course not. Then what? What? What does the Zohar mean? But to tell us that uh, he was an all-inclusive of of a light that knows no boundaries, a light that knows no boundaries, meaning it is not limited. It also means that there's no beginning and no end. So when he said from one end of the world to the other end of the world, meaning that well, where's the end and where's the beginning? There is no beginning. There is no end of the world. That's why the earth is circular. Where does it begin? Where does it end? Yes, we can say that uh, Israel, which it is, the energy center of the world, the center point, the Kuda Am Sa'it, as the, as, uh, the Adi, uh, as the Adi, uh, describes Jerusalem. The Kuda Am Sa'it. It's the center, it's the focus. But that again doesn't mean it's, it's the center of the world and the rest of the world stretches out from either side. This is not the idea. Idea is, as, uh, that is, it is the point by which the light, the light force of God becomes revealed. It's, its presence is felt. So therefore, when the Zohar describes the, the creation of man in the image of God, what is the image of God? Is he like a man? Does he look like us? Of course not. You know, God is, God is not in any form. And when we discuss God, we're not even discussing God. Even the word Elohim is a consciousness. It's, it's not a man. 
It's a consciousness because we, thank God, we, we've uh, come into the uh, 20th century. We've come into the latter part of the 20th century where the, the secrets of Kabbalah now are becoming revealed in terms that we can all understand. And that means that consciousness creates things. And we understand that. Rather than thinking that uh, someone says, I built this company with my own two hands, that again is a satanic, is a satanic implication. Nobody builds anything with his two hands. Even a laborer does not build anything with his two hands. A laborer has to think first of what he's going to do. The hands ultimately manifest his thought, but at the same time, we understand that although there is nothing more than consciousness, and certainly consciousness is is the highest level that we can experience in this physical world, the moment we begin to build something with our two hands, with our physical appearance, with our physical body, we begin to limit all of the consciousness that we may have thought, because the hands do not have do not have the ability to to make manifest all of the thoughts. The hands can do one step at a time. Again, the mind can can focus and and take in the entire the entire structure as to the way it looks and, and the way uh, it should be uh, it should be built. The hands themselves, the physicality, even the uh, even the plans of an architect, where we might say there. We are closer to the idea of consciousness. Still is limited. The plans on a, on, on a drawing table is not the building. It doesn't even include all of the thoughts that should ultimately go into it because no plan, no physical aspect can, can, uh, can, uh, embody the, uh, the consciousness of a person, etc. And certainly, if our consciousness, if our consciousness, which also includes the life force of God, meaning our consciousness includes a, a force that has no limitation, like we discussed on Shabbat, uh, Yaakov, Yaakov rested on a piece of land, and God says, all of this land, meaning all of Israel, the the land that you lie on. Well, how could he lie on all of the land of Israel? The answer is that only the rational mind sees things not as one as one unified whole. Doesn't see things as a consciousness, as something which is metaphysical, something which is not physical. Very difficult for our rational mind to grasp a concept such as consciousness. But nevertheless, the Zohar in Bamidbar brings the idea of, of the creation of man into, into uh, a, uh, an understanding that essentially within man there is this ability to transcend all of the limitations not only transcend the limitations of, of the body, which of course cannot be in two places at the same time, uh, the body, which 
Our own two hands can only create so much at a time. It does not have the ability to be all-inclusive at one time. This idea is reserved only for the consciousness, only for the mind, not even the mind. Just from a, uh, from a point of, uh, viewpoint of Kabbalah, the mind, again, is not what makes us think. The mind, again, is not the instrument by which we think. The mind has the capability of channeling thoughts that come from somewhere else, far and above and beyond the physical realm as we understand it. So the mind, the mind, while science still has not ascertained what, what is the mind? What is the mind? And therefore, when, when the, uh, when, the, when they're making an attempt to determine what is considered to be brain dead. Well, if you see, if you see in the, uh, in the, uh, in the monitoring, you see the, uh, the needles going up and down, you know there's action. When it becomes flat, he's brain dead. So he's brain dead. So what? The, the brain is always dead. We, we even sometimes refer to people who are absolutely alive as being brain dead. Does that mean he's dead? It means nothing's coming out of that brain. The brain is empty. The brain is not channeling anything that, that can, can, has a worthwhile purpose. And the truth of the matter is that, that this monitoring and, and, uh, uh, to determine if the, if there's movement in the brain or not does not indicate that the person is dead. No indication. Because the brain is just a channel. Does it mean that it doesn't, it doesn't function as a channel? It means nothing's coming out. And because it's not coming out doesn't mean it's not there. For whatever reason, at that moment, the brain, the brain, like a person who has a stroke, is he dead? No. But the brain does not function as to what would be considered to be the normal function of a brain. So now the brain is not functioning normal, but you can't classify the individual now being because he's brain dead, and therefore he's dead. Meaning the brain is, it does not have the capacity to channel information that is, that is, which is the only way we, we express things is because we're no, no more than robotic. In any event, everything that we say, everything that we express is never our own. Do we stop for a moment to think about what I'm saying? Or sometimes you think about to get it clearer. But as you talk, have you programmed each and every single word as you utter these words? You have control over what you're saying? It just flows. Well, where's it flowing from? Certainly, it's beyond, beyond your ability to qualify each and every single word. So therefore, thoughts Words that are expressing thoughts are nothing more than information that is being fed to us.
depending where that information is coming from. Information could be body information, where the, where the, uh, as we will le- shortly learn in uh, in the Zohar here, that the mind, that the mind can feed one of two, one of two uh, sources of information, either Satan's information. And where that comes from, the Zohar will shortly explain. Or, or that information comes from the light force. The light force, which again indicates without limitation, does not contain chaos. Therefore, if you're, if what, what is being channeled at that moment is the information from the light force because you've made a connection with the light force, then there's no wrong decision. Not only there is no wrong decision, but the decisions you make today apply for tomorrow. And that's our, that's our real difficulty. Today we, 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 uh, we, uh, come to certain decisions today as to the way we project tomorrow and the next day. But this projection may not have anything to do with the reality of what will happen next week or next year. The light force is beyond that limitation of time. 20 years, 2,000 years down the line is already calculated within the decision of the life force. So therefore you can never make a mistake. It may appear to be a mistake under the present circumstances. But someone who is with the life force or says, I want to be with the life force and light tell me what to do, with a sincerity, then that decision, as wrong as it might appear, as wrong as it might appear to someone who maybe says, I see it differently. And in fact, the next day, it almost appears as if the decision is wrong. But this, the Zohar assures us and I subscribe to that, that no matter how this decision, if it's coming from the, if it's stemming from the life force, and that's what the mind or the brain is channeling for us, there will be along the way tests which will say, oh, it doesn't look like it's right. But it will never be, it is not right. It will always seem to be as if it's not right. Only to provide us with an opportunity of whether do you believe you're really connected with the light force or is it only when it appears to be right, when it fits in to the present environment. But the light force cannot appear to fit in, to be correct because of because of the presence of today and everything that today includes. Because again, today does not include tomorrow. If you're discussing today, the light force does not include only today. Therefore, it could never, it could never become manifest as, well, it doesn't seem to reconcile with the facts that are going on today. And I made the decision last week asking the light force to give me the right decision, and next week, or two weeks, or three weeks, it seems like it was the wrong, it seems like it was the wrong decision. 
It will be the wrong decision if you change it. How do you change it? By saying, it doesn't look like it's right. So therefore, we, we understand what from the Zohar, that who determines if the decision is correct or incorrect? The light force? We do. The moment we think that when we had appealed, when we had appealed to the light force to provide a decision, the light force which does not have limitation, we appeal to the light force to give us that information because we have recognized that the ego, me, never, never, not occasionally, never can provide light force information. And no matter how right it looks, no matter how brilliant it looks, once it has originated with even, like the Zoa says, a little a little semblance, a little aspect of ego. I'm not talking about a big ego. Now we're talking about this individual who's been developing now his spirituality to a point where he almost has no ego. He doesn't want to consider that anything, anything that emanates from, from this being has to do with me. It always comes from outside. It's always either Satan Chas Shalom, and therefore we, we make every effort to be sure that Satan, by our negative activity, should not, should not become manifest with his consciousness, but rather we make every effort to be sharing. And that's the only real connection with the light force, because what is the essential character of the light force? Sharing. There is no desire to receive in the Creator. So this is our only option. There is no other option. You want to connect to the light force. You want to connect to infinity. You want to connect to uh, to an aspect that is beyond limitation. There must be an aspect of sharing. The greater, the more often the sharing, the greater the opportunity to have the flow of the light force coming through. And when that light force comes through, no matter what everyone tells you around you, how wrong that decision was. And I've had that many a time, that it was the wrong decision. As long as you know that you're coming from the right space when you made that decision, that decision is never wrong. Not sometimes wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. But when you begin to depend upon your own faculties and your own wisdom and, and your own intelligence, and your own consciousness, then Know that beyond any shadow of a doubt, Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law exists for you. And what does Murphy's Law say? That if anything can go wrong, it'll go wrong. But more than that, Murphy said that if there are four options of it going wrong, the one that will create the greatest amount of havoc and disorder and problems and troubles... That's the one that's going to, that's, that's going to become manifest. Not even the, the lesser of the four. There's no logic to that. No logic. I'm sure he didn't understand what he was saying either, but that's, that was the message. The message is that if it's not light force talking through you, and therefore it has no room with ego, <laughs> you're talking about God, now you're talking about me. 
How can you talk about God? You imagine God sitting next to me and I think, God, you know what I think? I think we ought to do it this way. I mean, it wouldn't dawn upon us for a moment to tell God who is all inclusive and that's what he's talking about. How are we, how are we created in the image of God? Nothing to do with uh, any aspect of physicality. We were instilled with God. And that's why the Zohar has to say, Now it means not only, not only the level of existence, which is the supernal, the upper level, but even the lower level. What does it mean even the lower level? That even in this level of physicality, that we believe that things are fixed, things are fixed today in the 20th century, 20th century physics, that what has become a physical reality can be changed. We see that throughout the Torah. Rifka didn't have no female organs. And a miracle happened. But no miracles happened. Yitzchak prayed. Whatever he did, and of course praying means the way we pray here. And he created female organs. But Yitzchak knew that man has this ability. But to have that ability, you must be part of, of God. You must act like God. And there are no games you play with, with that consciousness of God. You have it, you make use of it, but it has requirements. It has rules. You can't steal and say that now I want to make manifest the life force of God. God doesn't steal. Why doesn't God steal? Because God is a a spiritual person. God doesn't steal because he's a good person. No. God doesn't steal because stealing means I need something. So where, how could, how could the thought of stealing enter into the mind of God? The same way as every rule that is mentioned in the Torah is only to indicate one aspect and one aspect alone. That when you, when you violate any of the offenses of the Torah, you cut off from the light force. Why? Because any of those violations have to do with one aspect I need. Once you say you need, you're not part of the life force. If you say I don't need because I have it all, I have it all before I have it, then why are you going to steal? Why does someone's why why is someone with an ego and I say ego because again Rabbi Ashlak says that's that's man's that's man's uh, death knell. It's the only thing that that man really has to worry about is when his own I comes into the picture. Why do you you have an ego? You need recognition. You need people to recognize who you are. So you have a need. It's that simple. But that's more than I need a piece of bread. Now you're talking about a need that goes beyond the physical realm. Now you're going into the area of consciousness. Now you're you're placing needs into an area where that consciousness says you have everything. It's it's such a blatant contradiction. Therefore, anyone with the 
with the slightest amount of ego already is contradicting, is already contrary to the light. It doesn't go together. It doesn't go together. This is what man was inclusive of, meaning every aspect of physicality. When you when it's right, when you, how do you know it's right? Not you decided it's right, but they, the light tells you it's right. The light tells you it's right. When the light tells you it's right, you make it happen. You make it happen. Is this a philosophical thought of the Zohar? No, of course not. When the scientists can say, this chair exists only because I decided I want to sit on it. The minute I get up on this chair, and we must remember that, the minute I get up on this chair, and I have no use for the chair, the chair doesn't exist. Does it go back to the factory? And wait until the next person comes around and says, now I need the chair? Forgetting about how the rational mind will explain it. But if you get to a point where you say, so I don't understand it. Who doesn't understand it? The rational mind doesn't understand it. I know what the rational mind is about. That's a Tom's ego wanting to, to tell me how I want to understand. I don't want to have nothing to do with that aspect. Until such time, then our lives, as it has been for 2,000 years, must be involved with chaos. And that's why people want to talk to me about their chaos. And my answer today is going to be, some people want to discuss their problems. My answer is, why are you discuss? You have no problems. He says, you don't understand. I want you to listen how serious my problem is. I said, so now you're telling me about your ego problem. Go home and work on the ego problem. What do you want from me? Yeah, but I want you to help me resolve the serious problem. It's not the ego, no. The only problem you have is an ego problem. Because if it's a light problem, and you're connected with the light, then you have no problem. You have no problem. The problem must go away. So said science, and so said the Zohar 2,000 years ago, or let's even say 4,000 years ago, Avram Avinu said that, but in a more abstruse manner. So this light, this light, as we know, affects the whole body. Someone says he's sick. Someone says he's sick. Someone says he's sick. And he is sick. Someone has a serious ailment. Oh, even he's got cancer. Something, nothing could be more serious than cancer. I don't know why, why that's more serious than uh, a broken arm. Well, because a broken arm, you can live with a broken arm. You can't live with cancer. So that makes it more serious. Well, from that perspective, yes, of course, this is life-threatening, and this is not life-threatening. But they both originate from the same idea, that the mind, the mind, and certainly not the doctor, the mind. What do you mean the mind? When you draw the light force, the light force has a network of healing. There's nothing that we have to add. Nothing that we have to add to make this light force want to heal. The the innate characteristic of the light force is what? The opposite of chaos. So it has the ability 
It has the ability to remove chaos. Does a match have the the ability to remove darkness in a room? Yeah, everyone understands that. Now, it's got to become so simple for us. We've been treating... We've been treating the light force, or God, in a way as if God out there does something. No, we do it. If there's a healing process that will take place, it is not God. Oh, is it? Yes, it is the light force of God that that has this ability. But God wants to heal all the time. But do you remember what the rule is? What you learned in Talmud Esosfirot? Why are we here? So we can remove bread of shame. We have to make the effort. We have to earn this this ability of the light force to work within us. So who's going to actually do the healing? Of course God's, God's power, the light force, does the actual healing. But it does not become manifest. It does not become part of us until we direct it to become part of us. And if we're involved in negative activity, negative action... Then we tamper. What do you mean we tamper? We create obstacles, roadblocks. Picture, picture this, this, uh, this, um, a light force as a network of trillions of highways. That's why it's a superhighway. And any time we become involved with any form of negativity, and it's clearly defined what is, what generates negative activity, what we do is create roadblocks in the system. Nothing more. Therefore, it's to, to have the natural process work in our systems, we have to remove these roadblocks. And then concentrate that the light begins again to shine. Because the light doesn't, the light force doesn't operate until such time as we decide that it should operate. So when it says, from the beginning to the end, it means it's all inclusive. There is no room. It occupies occupies all the space. There's no room for chaos to set in. No room. It's it's a web of strings. And why is it a web, web of strings? Because to have a life without chaos. It must also include what? The celestial bodies. That's why we have an Anabakoa. We don't even understand. I, I certainly never understood what, what we're talking about when we're referring to the Anabakoa. Anabakoa is, is the, the 42 names that are here in creation. This was not with Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana, the Tana who created the Anabakoach. The Anabakoach, as we know it today, is Ana, but, but the original Anabakoach is the Aleph of Ana, the 42 letters. That's the way the world was created. And so, if I am not part of a whole universe, and we do know that in celestial bodies there's positive, there's negative. If I'm not inclusive of that, and the Zohar makes it so clear, although we didn't understand it, that man, man is a universe within himself. It's a beautiful expression, but it goes beyond being a beautiful expression. 
Man is the whole universe. Every man is the whole universe. Well, does that mean there's one man and then there's a second man? So now there are two men. Now there's fragmentation. There's only, that's why we have to share between each other. The reason for sharing between each other is that we dissolve the differences between us. If suddenly, if suddenly everyone would stop looking at how much his neighbor has, why? Because everyone feels there is law and order in the universe and everyone is, should be getting his due. That's, that's the balance in the universe until such time as that individual is still looking at how much somebody else has and how well someone else is doing, then that is not the way the life force looks at things. The life force has no lack. When you do that, you're indicating a lack. The reason we share with each other is, again, to be part of the flow of this universal network, this universal highway, which is what? Like the blood, always running around where it can help. And it is always helping. The light force in our body is running to trillions of areas. And there is a part of us that the Zohar says that runs from one end of the world to the other. What does it mean from one end to the other? To the other, It doesn't mean physically one end to the other, but it means it's all inclusive of everything that's around. Until such time, until such time, as we come to recognize this idea within ourselves and that how it must operate, life has to be full of chaos, full of surprises. And we'll always have problems and nobody can solve those problems except the individual. Nobody, nobody can solve problems until this problem has been resolved. That as long as you're making connections with the light force, there are no problems. There are no problems. And then the Zohar goes on to say, In this one verse, imagine this one verse, this is the, ver- this is the only verse, and this is the verse that has to do with Bamidbah. Has to do with Bamidva, has to do with counting, etc. It already said, and God created man in his form. And then it says, And then God created him in his form. It's, it's repetitive. It says, Here, here, again, discussing the form of man, a uh, form of God. But we learned again in Talmud Esasvirot, in volume five, that This, this activity that man, that man possesses, always, always in need of doing things, etc. and so on, meaning there's a, there's a, there's action taking place. There's a flow of energy. 
movement of hands. It's a flow of energy. The reason there's a flow of energy is because when God created us, he created us in the image of God. What does that mean? When we talk about the light force of God, we must understand we're talking about male and female. Male and female in a bowl. Male and female. Because there can never be an activity of energy unless there is male and female. That constitutes circuitry. And we know that today. That there is no circuitry unless there's a male and female. We know there's no growth of trees unless there's a male and a female. Without these two aspects, there is no flow of energy. Without these two aspects, the light force, the light force cannot connect. And therefore, for man to generate the same kind of energy, the same kind of energy as God, same kind. Because we are God. We are God. Can we do anything and everything? The answer is yes. When we're speaking about God, are we discussing now the origin, the origin of, of all that, that came into existence? The answer is no. Therefore, Rabbi Ashrig made it so clear, and we should always remember that God, that's why we always discuss the word light force. We discuss light. We don't discuss God. Why don't we discuss God? Because Rabbi Ashik said very clearly that God is that point where there was a total positive energy without any negativity. Without any negativity. That's the source called God. God then, from nothing created something, meaning he created something that was not inclusive within God. It came out of uh, somewhere else. We do not have, uh, uh, the rational mind cannot grasp this. How could something come, or what we call the desire to receive? Within God, there is only one, one aspect, one characteristic, the desire to share. Okay. Now, out of nowhere, out of nothing, meaning somewhere came this New concept. How could this new concept come if if it doesn't originate within God? How does it come about? Well, as close as we can get to that idea is God had a thought because his in, intrinsic characteristic is sharing. That force of sharing created something that will make manifest the consciousness of sharing requiring a consciousness to receive. While there are many, many questions and much to be desired as to, as to its total understanding, but this much, this much is what the Zohar is telling here does, does come forth. That when we have a, 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 an idea, we want to share. We want to share. And the only idea as to why I'm involved in any activity is because I want to share. But then man has to say, hey, what about me? Don't I have to eat? Does my family have to eat? So again, if we can 
try, and I don't say it's easy because he's going to tell us that we have a problem. We have a peculiar problem that God doesn't have. What's our problem? We have a body. We have a body. We have a body that will tell us that when we want to act as a channel, whatever we're doing, we want to open up a business, we want to expand the business, we want to, we want to uh, be the, 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 the largest corporation in the world, to make the most money, only for the purpose of sharing. Only for the purpose of sharing. Not for me. Because God, when he shares, has no, has no need for any aspect of the sharing because there is no desire to receive. That when this individual thinks in terms of God, because he is God, meaning God, not the origin, but God with the characteristic of desire to share, then all of this abundance that is accumulating, is he part of the scene? It comes only naturally that when he is, his activity is centering around about how he can help other people. Is he other people? He's like other people too. But this is not the foremost thought in his mind. This is not even, for, 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 for Rabbi Shimon, this was never a thought. Well, what about having food on the table? Well, if everyone was provided for, didn't that include also his family? Did he have to think of his family in order, in order to provide for his family? The answer is no. When you have a consciousness of sharing with the whole world, you know who that also includes? You. So that's the byproduct that does not require conscious thought. And therefore, when that happens, whatever your conscious thought dictates, that's what will happen. To the extent that there is no aspect of what I need, none whatsoever, because God doesn't have that aspect. To the extent that we create a similarity with God, to the extent that we create a similarity with God, that is the extent of how we have the force of God, meaning to, to accomplish anything and everything without any limitation, without any reservation, because God has no limitation. God has no reservation. Very, almost like an impossible task. Can we, human beings, perform like God? Says the soul, yes. Because we are God. Meaning, we contain that life force that removes chaos, like the match. It's a light that goes throughout the body, throughout the universe. That's why there's strings. The whole universe is connected. In essence, there is no empty space. We have the illusion that there is empty space. We have the illusion that if we don't take care of ourselves, ourselves won't be taken care of. If we take care of only considering others, only considering others, that we are part of the others. That thought, says the Zohar, says the Zohar, where did it originate? And because now, 
there must be male and female. In the circuitry, that aspect of female, that aspect of female brought about, and this is not, this is not to indicate that I'm not referring to this level where there are male and female. Therefore, the female aspect in this world is negative, and the male aspect is, is uh, positive. That's not true, because in this level, says the Zohan now, that every male and every female consists of male and female because that's the life force of God. That's the circuitry of God. Each and every single male and female and female consists of these two qualities, male and female as in a bow, because this, these two, these two opposites, is what creates the paradox of a flow of light. Because of that, now here's where the problem began. Before Adam sinned, there was no chaos in the world. The body, which he, which he, uh, which he will shortly explain, originates from what? Earth. Where did, where did the physical form of Adam come from? The earth. What is earth? If we can define earth, it has one, 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 one obvious capacity. The, the ability of gravitation. That's the singular force in earth. When we were created from the earth, this idea, this idea of me, this idea of need originated. But as long as, says the Zohar, Adam didn't sin, as long as he didn't sin, then the force of positivity ruled over this body force. The light force, the light force, was generating enough light that the body could not interfere with the flow. The body could not interfere. The consciousness of the body could not interfere. Meaning, the thought of saying, oh, wait a second, I need bread on the table. But the light was so generate, it was generating such an intensity of, of a force of light that there could not be an occasion where there will not be bread on the table. There never could be an occasion where the body would complain of an illness, of a cancer, of a broken leg. It was immediately mended. Immediately. Because once the light force is being generated, there is no room. And that's why we always have said in the classes, an x-ray shows up of a tumor. What, what does it show up? A black area. A black area. Why a black area? To indicate that there is an obstruction that we have created. And by the same token, we can remove that obstruction. Because we have this healing power within us. We don't exercise it. We leave it to the doctor to, to, to heal us. And yet he never heals us. 
You mean professionally he can cut out the cancer, but he doesn't heal us. And if he removes the obstruction, does that mean the network of the highway? If you remove the obstruction, you you remove a bad piece of 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 of, of a road from the highway. Does that mean now you can travel the highway? You remove the broken section. There was an earthquake on Route 10, and and now there's debris. Can't travel the highway. Now you remove the debris. What happened? Now you can travel over that highway. No. What about replacing replacing the the debris that was removed. What about replacing the chaos that was removed? It was not removed. That's not healing. That's not repair. It's part of the function of repair. But when you say the road has been repaired, it doesn't mean because I removed the debris. It's so simple. When you create the flow, the natural flow of this highway, that's exactly what we have to do in order to produce the flow. Not only is it, is it, well, how, how do you achieve that? Strike the match. Strike the match. The flow, the striking of the match or connecting with the life force should be more than sufficient. More than sufficient energy to remove any aspect of darkness there. Provided, provided there aren't other consciousness that are telling you to go elsewhere, says the Zohar. But when Adam sinned, what happened was, The light force of God, its presence became, became, uh, became reduced. It's, the, the, the feeling of its presence became reduced. That's all that happened. His presence became reduced. And because his presence became reduced, now, the body consciousness, which has one aspect, one aspect alone. Me. In whatever form it takes place. Me. No longer can we think of we. No longer can I think of helping the whole world. No longer can I think of whatever I want to create is for the sake of the quantum. Not the me. Not how people will look at me as a successful businessman. All of the aspects of me disappear entirely. When you reach that consciousness, says the Zohar, you're back to being a creator. And as a creator, there is nothing in the world that you cannot, that you cannot traverse over and create that presence and that presence removes every form of care. But when Adam sinned, what happened with that consciousness of the light, which originated because of the aspect of negativity, because of the aspect of female, again, just so it's not taken out of context, when we discuss female, we're discussing that aspect of desire to receive. And just let me say it right here, so women listening to to this recording, or the women present here, women have a higher level of of connection 
with the life force of God than men. So immediately that should that should remove any of the of the doubts as, as to what as to what the the Zohar, uh, the Zohar's implication is concerning female or negativity. It means that aspect of us, that aspect of us, that after the sin of Adam, which now became disassociated, disassociated from the unified whole of the life force, this negativity within us, which, which is by and within itself beautiful, because you cannot have a circuitry of light without a negative aspect. But this negative aspect now took on its, took on, because of its affinity with the earth, took on an aspect no longer of we, because as long as Adam did not sin, like in the light force, there is male and female. This female, which has a desire to receive, but knows it's, it's, it's the function of its desire to receive is only for the sake of sharing, and therefore creates an affinity with the male aspect of oneself, and that's why you have a circuitry of energy. That's why you have the light force flowing, and when the light force is flowing, nothing in this body, nothing in this body, can become any form of chaos. But after the sin of Adam, then the presence, the presence of the light force became weaker, and now the presence of the and now unfortunately, as we experience it today, what we what we feel in the presence of consciousness constantly all day is the consciousness of the body. The body says me, and everything that that evolves around me, we have lost. We have lost this ability. We have lost this ability to think only in terms of we. We have lost that ability. And to the extent that we have lost that ability, we have lost the presence of God within us. And therefore, we are no longer like God. Continues the Zohar. Vodei. I'm now on page Gimel, if you want to refer back to uh, later. We still don't understand what is this connection to to the uh, to the Parshat Shavua, but we'll have an answer before we before we conclude. Vodei. Tochasi. Ayman da'ama shvacha dechavrei. Debno. O dimemunia by levanchele. Now, I just realized why they, why in Morocco they have hotels called dimemunias. When someone, when someone says shvachim, when someone gives praise about his, about his uh, friend, about his children, about his money. And we have to, at that moment, 
immediately. The minute we're, we're expressing some satisfaction concerning anything. He says here about wonderful attributes of, of a friend, of your children, or how, how beautifully you are established now with money. We must immediately think and, and give thanks to all of these blessings. Okay. And he brings down the verse of, Hashem Lokechem Avatechem Yosef Alechem Kachem Elef Pa'amim Vavarechem Kachedibalachem. We have to constantly think about how wonderful and where these, these blessings originated from. And naturally, they originate from the life force of God, as he already explained up until now. What happens if someone be counts, uses the word count, and this is the secret. Oh, he's worth $10 million. Right? And he's not, he does not I'll use the uh, the uh, literal translation, which is not which is not totally correct. And when he says, "Oh, this fellow has ten million dollars, ten billion dollars," so he's saying a shva. He is he is extending a praise. If at that moment. If at that moment he does not he does not include the light force and the blessing of the light force and to to recall the he says even to recall it I'm just repeating meanwhile just the words of the Zohar then he he himself will be caught up in the chaos first. And then, of course, if it's Ayin Hara, then, of course, unfortunately, his friend will be called, caught up before. And if the time that he's giving praise, as he says something nice about his son, says something nice about his own financial, his own financial, uh, uh status. Or he's speaking about his friends or other people. That when, when he, he extends a blessing, which we will shortly explain, but he extends a, a blessing as he provides this praise, as he counts someone else's money, as he counts someone else's money, the reason we say count because he's now enumerating. And when he speaks about his children, he says, Oh, children are wonderful. They, 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 they can, they, they, they've gone through Harvard and they've gone through this and they, they have acquired that and, and they have this wonderful job and that. All of the wonderful things that we say about our own children. And there, there is no an addition of blessing that person because that's called counting. So we're beginning to 
see some relationship here. Because here we're, we said that Bamidbar begins by counting. Counting. What does it have to do with creation? That was the obvious, the, the, the question we raised right at the beginning. What does this have to do with this? They're counting. So the Zohar will also say we won't have time for that. But the Zohar says, how did they count? They each gave money. They counted the coins. They wouldn't count the people. Because counting, as we understand, counting is, or when you enumerate, when you say certain praises, is that all the praises of the world? No. Because, how do you praise? You praise by virtue of speech. Speech originates where? Body consciousness? Or the speech originate with the life force consciousness? There is no speech in life force. There's just an all-pervading force. What, what, what do you want to say? Oh, how wonderful this situation is that. I mean, all the situations, even those that, that the, the rational mind doesn't even comprehend. Tomorrow. How do you speak about the praises of tomorrow? The rational mind does not see the tomorrow. That, according to the Zohar, is what is referred to here about counting. When they were counting the Jews. They were counting them. And counting only the male. If you remember, we said, what, what about the, and only from the age of 20, what about the females? What about the females? What about the children? And now we're beginning to understand as to how we have to conduct in our own our own lives. When, because the Zohar recognizes that we are living in a universe which is after the sin of Adam. After the sin of Adam, as we said previously, now this body consciousness that wants to inject chaos into our lives has such a sway over us that in our natural course of speech, and speech, that's why the, the Talmud says, who is a wise man? One who never speaks. One who never speaks, just speaks, just talks. He's a wise man. Well, some say the reason he's a wise man then you can't hear any stupidity from him then you have to assume he must be smart. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect, no matter how and what is being said or, or being transmitted by virtue of this faculty called speech, because it originates and has no place in the light force, therefore, whatever comes out is part of chaos. Speech is part of chaos. Of course, speech in Torah, speech connecting with the letters of the Alabet, so that kind of speech, if that's all that's coming out is Torah, at that moment, then of course all that is co you're connecting with is the life force, because the Alabet is the essential connection through the Arabakoch or whatever other prayer, we, 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 we renew our connections with the life force. Because after Adam, 
we have to continuously renew that connection. So the alabed, when you learn Torah, you can talk and talk and talk if it's surrounding the areas of the alabed. And, remember, we're not, the Zohar is not, because he made it clear, is not providing uh, a, a, a manner of conduct, because this is the way a spiritual person should behave. If we do not behave this way, if we, if we consider someone else's, even our own children, whatever praise we give, remember, it becomes is praise with limitation. And when you have limitation, you bring with that limitation chaos. And so we, again, are responsible for our own chaos. Just as we said, we can be responsible for bringing and removing, bringing only bracha into the home. We are responsible for, we alone are only responsible for removing the chaos from our home. Because we are the ones that are responsible for it being there in the first place because this body consciousness. We only have a natural tendency to talk. It's a faculty of, uh, that is the way the Kabbalah refers to man. Midzaber. Why? That's the most powerful force. The most powerful force of connecting with the life force is what? Speaking on the Bekoah. Other prayers, say the Hebrew language, that brings you closer to the to the life force and to its presence and to its influence. However, at the same time, speech also originates from body consciousness, from that aspect of negativity. And if you do not inject ayin tov. Because we can also be jealous when we say, look how well that person is doing. So we must remember, the reason we do not want to be jealous, the reason we are not looking all day about how people are successful, and I'm not, because the Zohar says, you are going to be caught up in the trap of, of body consciousness first. Not the other person. Not even the one that now you're extending ayin haratu. You will be caught up long before the other person. Long before the other person. And therefore, we inject the idea. What is the Zohar saying here? That when we even discuss, and this is what bracha of, uh, bracha means, this is what brach means, injecting constantly the consciousness and the awareness that the light force is present. When you say, oh, how wonderful, he's made so much money. Oh, how wonderful, he has good health. And immediately, you inject the bracha. What is the bracha? Bracha is the presence of the light force. There is no bracha without the light force. So what do we do when we are mevarech? You make just a bracha, 
No. Yes, the bracha is first of all through the Hebrew language, but that bracha is to bring the consciousness of the light force present at that moment. Because if not, then the words, the words become a limitation of that occasion or of that situation, of those circumstances, and you begin to create chaos. Remember, only we, only we, this is not an act of God. This is how how subtle each and every single day of our life is as comparison to whether there will be chaos or whether there will be bracha. And bracha is the constant consciousness that the light force is present. As you say, oh, how wonderful, my son, he does this, that, and the other thing, only because Baruch Hashem, that's why you say Baruch Hashem again, only the words Baruch Hashem says nothing. Baruch Hashem, that the light force is expressing itself always attributing it, always bringing in the consciousness of the life force of God. Bracha does not, does not dwell. The life force does not dwell where there's counting of anything. How much money does he have? Oh, he has good health. Counting. What do you mean it's counting? When you say he has good health, what are you indicating? That there is a condition called ill health. Why do you say someone, oh he's, how do you feel today? I feel wonderful. Then you say Baruch Hashem. Not even enough. Not even enough. But isn't that enough? You say Baruch Hashem. But the Zohar say, well everyone says Baruch Hashem sometimes. Rarely. Baruch Hashem. When you say, how do you, when someone asks you, how do you feel? And you say, I feel wonderful. Those words, I feel wonderful, is segregating. I feel wonderful. Why are you saying that you feel wonderful? Is the presence of the light force in you all the time? I mean, why do you have to express that if you feel wonderful? If the light force is there, of course you feel wonderful. Why are you expressing that? Well, because there is, you know, out there, a force called ill health. So these words are already inclusive. When you say that I feel wonderful, forgetting about adding the Baruch Hashem, but when you say just I feel wonderful, that is chaos. Because it's inclusive of an aspect that there is obviously ill health around. And that why do you have to express the idea that you're in good health? How are you doing in business? Wonderful. As you say that I'm doing wonderful, that also indicates that maybe yesterday you weren't doing wonderful, or that out there there is a consciousness called chaos. You bring the presence of chaos even into Shvach. When you enumerate, says the Zohar, when you enumerate, when you mention even Shvach, forget about saying, oh, how do you feel today? Oh, I feel terrible, God the show. You feel terrible. Then you brought chaos in. How, when you bring chaos into your life at that moment, you say, I feel terrible. Are you supposed to say, I never say I feel good? No, that's right. Always feel good. 
always feel good. But I have a headache, but this, but that. Those are called enumerations. Not only counting money, that also, when you count one, two, three, four, five, you are not counting 15. And when you're counting six, you're no longer counting one. This is all aspects of fragmentation. Just this consciousness, says the Zohar, brings bracha. And the way we enumerate, the way we give praise on, on, on facts that are true, we immediately, if we are not aware of bringing in the consciousness of the light force of God, which is bracha, at that moment, at that moment, that we have brought chaos into our lives. And by the elimination, by the elimination of chaos, anything that represents chaos, and even speech, unfortunately, more times than none, if we are not, if we are not bringing it together with the idea of the light force of God, we are bringing chaos every minute of the day into our lives. And we can change it just by a consciousness. By our actions, yes, we said we have to have an affinity with the kind, with the light force of God. We've gone through that already. Activity, yes. If you're stealing all day and you say, how are you doing? Ah, oh, the light force is with me. Of course it's not with you. You're lying because if the light force was with you, why are you stealing? Why are you doing anything of a negative nature? So we're not even discussing that aspect. We're discussing where now we are positive. Even there, we can destroy our own lives. We can bring chaos into our own lives. And now we can understand what, what this, what the Zohar, and he goes on to, it's so beautiful. Maybe we'll have next week more time to discuss it, or another occasion, because I haven't, it's so beautiful. But, but before we conclude, the Zohar began saying, when, when did this counting take place? When did God decide to count the Jews? In fact, what's beautiful is, it doesn't even say count the Jews. In Hebrew, there's a word for counting, lispah. Nowhere is it mentioned here. Nowhere is it mentioned. What it says is, su'u et rosh koladat b'nei Yisrael. Su'u. We know the word su'u. Su'u means to raise. Raise. To arouse. When we open up the ark. Why do we open up the ark? We want to arouse. We want to activate. Activate. What? The energy that has been stored there. That's why we're opening it up. That's why we have this continuity of reading all the time. As the Yari says, so there should never be more than three days without an activity that raises, that activates the flow of the life force of God. Because if we don't, if we do not participate in the reading, and three, over three days go by, then the job of, of trying to follow the rules of the universe and what the, what the Zohar has done for us here is provide us with the rules of the universe. Now he says, in what month? 
in the month of Iyah, the month we're in now, the month of Iyah, says the Zohar, why did it, why did, well, the Jews can't, why did this activity, not even, again, we have the numbers, we have the numbers. Why was it done? Why was it done here? Because in the month of Iyah is called the month of Ziv, the month of life. And so, this is the lesson, this whole lesson that we had, that we, we, we drew out from the Zohar as to how to arise and activate the light force. So when I, I'm counting I'm, or I'm saying something wonderful about my friend, I say again, you must have the light force within you. So while I'm, I'm saying how wonderful your life is, you're successful and you're, you're in good health, at the same time, Look at that. You must have the light force within you. I'm bringing the presence. I'm bringing a consciousness. And I'm aware of the fact that when the light force is there, then no matter what I'm saying at that moment, the light force, when the match is struck, the darkness is not there. No matter what happens in that room, if the light, if the match is on, there is no darkness. That is what Baracha is about. And therefore, this was, this activity was was done when? In the month of year. Why? Again, to teach us. To teach us about light force. That's why it was done. Now, why did it say only, only from, only male and not female? Again, if you're talking about male and female, yes. Yes. But what was the idea? Because we learned that after the sin of Adam, what happened? The aspect of negativity. The aspect of negativity became became embellished. The aspect of negativity now be, now made its presence felt because the light force became diminished. And therefore when it says only male, only male what does it, what does it, what, what is the Torah telling us? It's teaching us again. How did the Zohar know to say what it just said? How would he know that? How would he know about two parts and all of the, the entire discussion that we just had? How did the Zohar know that? Well, you've got to be a, a, a Rabbi Shimon and to be a channel like Rabbi Shimon was that from such, such abstruse wordings of the Torah, and they are abstruse, forget about Forget about the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, uh, the harassment of women. It says only male. Why only male? Because what we're referring to is that the male consciousness, whether it's female or male, but the we want to arouse, with this reading, we arouse the male consciousness. What is the male consciousness? That's the life force of God. Positivity. The character of the life force of God. What is female? Female, we said, is a necessary aspect, not a necessary evil, a necessary aspect of this, of circuitry. However, when Adam became connected with the earth, now they became attached a necessary evil. Why do we call it a necessary evil? Because it is the only way that we earn the presence of the life force, being aware of the fact that 
There's a part in me that says only me. There's a part in me that says I don't want to be part of the community. The only consideration is me. That aspect came only after the sin of Adam, unfortunately. Before the sin of Adam, it was not a necessary evil, this negative aspect. Very positive. But this reading here teaches us the laws of the universe that after Adam sinned, now the objective is to arouse, raise the consciousness of male as opposed to the dominance of female generating and and originating from the aspect of earth. This month is the month of the Iyah. We begin to take these simple rules of the Zohar. Simple rules, they're not profound. That is, some aspects may be profound, but how to generate light force every minute of the day? Be conscious. Whatever you're saying, be conscious of what you're saying. And if there is even praise, bring the light force back into your life. Amen. <laughs>